The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode here at the Kick Pod, the Kick Pod Dojo for Inspirational Martial Arts Talk. I am your host, TJ Williams, fourth degree black belt in the Chuck Norris system, here to talk about my martial arts experience, discussing and analyzing martial arts-based subjects, and highlighting individuals involved in martial arts of, of all styles, past, present, and future. All right, so just get a little update for me. Um, I'm recovering from my knee surgery, and um, of course, I got switched from an immobilizer to a um, adjustable knee brace. So that things are looking good. So they got me um, adjusted from zero to 30 right now. So next few weeks, I'll adjust another 30 degrees and see how things are. So the goal is to get my knee from zero to 90 degrees. All right. So let me introduce you to a guest, of course, um, with 30 plus years of martial arts experience. Um, of course, he started at four years old. And of course, he um, was t- um, trained by his father, uh, Louis um, Casamasa. And of course, um, a lot of you know him as um, Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, which is definitely that's a plus for me. And, you know, definitely if for those who are fans of Mortal Kombat like me, then then you're going to definitely listen to this on podcast. So let me introduce to you to um, Chris Casamase uh, that he um, had um, was nice enough to um, actually come on the show. I mean, it might be a short period of time, but definitely it's going to be good. How are we doing there, Chris? I'm doing great, TJ. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, thank you for actually taking the time to be on. I mean, I know you was on um, Jason Flame's um, podcast last week, which was great. So I was watching that real good. Thank you. All right. So basically your journey started when um, you were little. So definitely um, looking from um, the interview you had with Jason Flame. I mean, you started with your father that had um, the Red Dragon um, um, karate studio, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, so at least um, give you like your view of um, how your experience is um, training with your father. Well, listen, training with your dad is it got its ups and its downs, right? Uh, when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad because, uh, you know, it's never about what you mess up on the studio. It's about what you messed up on when you're in third grade. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit different. But listen, my dad's my hero. Um, he's the inspiration for all the things that I do. Uh, he's the founder of our style and system of martial arts. So for that, I am eternally grateful. Yeah, it's always good. You know, really, it's, that's just your inspiration. I mean, at first, you probably were um, too key to being a black belt. But, you know, after being there so many times, uh, it kind of um, say, here, I, I'm. this is something I would need to do. So basically, I know you said um, your father had say, you can't quit until you become a black belt. That's correct. Yeah. He taught me dedication and discipline at a very young age. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was pretty much my goal as a um, going to black belt. You know, I wasn't just like just going in there just saying I don't want to be a black belt. But, you know, I just that was my goal when I started doing martial arts. And yeah, and I accomplished my goal. And yeah, and then it went on to doing four more tests. And then from there, I am on my way to be the master rank in the Chuck Norris system. That's awesome, man. Congratulations to you. Yeah. I mean, I just got to get through this knee injury and then, of course, get myself set for July. Yeah. How'd you hurt your knee? Uh, pro wrestling. Pro wrestling? Oh, yeah. 
What, were you battling the rock? <laughs> yeah, he probably killed me. Um, well, let's just say I was going for like a dive and um, I guess my um, feet hit the ropes. And then from there, it um, I um, ruptured my um, patella um, tendon. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to let it get me down. You know, I'm still training. I mean, yeah, I'm learning actually learn how to do a, a Shotokan Kata called um, uh, Chente or Chente. That's, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. I mean... This like Shin, Chinto, Chin, Chinto, Chinte. I mean, that's tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's saying I'm just trying to like get out my like um kind of like the style that I am with the Chuck Norris system and kind of learning different katas because I do this for competing at the convention that we go to, so it's like something different, like really. So do you? Yeah, ever, man. Yeah. So do you ever go like to like outside your style and learn different martial arts um katas? Oh, yeah. I've got black belts in half a dozen different styles already, and uh, I've competed literally all over the world. So the path that you're on and what you're doing is a great path to be on. Right. Yeah, I understand you got like um, several of, um, national championships, mostly in open form. And uh, and I guess open form is that's just like you, either your creative form or any type of style of martial arts. So can you like talk about like your experience with that? Yeah, well, listen, I competed on the pro tour professionally for all, a decade, for 10 years. And the first four years on the pro tour, I got my rear end pretty much handed to me every every weekend I went to a tournament. But staying persistent and committed and practicing and making myself better and better really paid off. In the last four years of my comp- competitive career, I was the number one forms competitor in the world. And like you said, the open forms at that time, they didn't have all the separate things like they do now like extreme division tricking division you know although it was just like all in one so if you weren't doing traditional you were in open uh so it was kind of a hodgepodge of everything goes it was really probably one of the most competitive and difficult divisions to win so to be able to be you know up on the top and be the number one competitor in the world at that time uh was a big deal yeah mason i mean i've gone to tournaments and you know it wasn't always open form it was like different like uh like different, um, like Japanese, um, form styles, yeah. um, Korean and all, and pretty much Chinese. So that was like different categories of, um, right. Them. So, and mostly it was like, almost like tricking, like you said, like that'll be like open, um, form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's kind of get to you, like where you became a black belt and then going to like teaching. So was when you got to black belt was teaching your, um, like your main thing you wanted to do, or that's almost like you almost got pushed into it. Uh, I did not get pushed into it. It was something that just kind of naturally happened for me. Uh, my dad was great about that. You know, he always, the same thing with martial arts about teaching, which was, listen, do it because you want to do it, not because you think you have to do it. But if you start, try and be the best that you can be at whatever that is that you're doing. Um, so I never really set out to be a teacher or a trainer. It just kind of ended up that way once I made black belt and and. Uh, got up a couple degrees of black belt and got better and better. I wanted to start helping out. And a lot of it was because I wanted to spend more time with my dad, be around my dad. My dad was always at the studio. So I knew the best way to be around him was to be at the studio. So I just kind of learned from being around him. Uh, and that led into me becoming a, a teacher and a trainer and a coach. Yeah, no, for me being a teacher, and I mean, it's kind of like um, nerve wracking because, you know, you make sure you got to know what you're doing. You have a like a almost like a, a structure of like how you want to teach. But, you know, as you do it for a long time, it becomes it comes naturally. So for me, I've been been instructor for nine years now. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't start very great. So, I mean, but, you know, I went out there and kind of looked at 
other than how people teach martial arts, but, you know, I looked out, people teach like other things, like, like for me, I teach fitness also. So I kind of build up my, um, like, um, being an instructor from doing fitness cause I make it look fun. So that's mm-hmm. the whole concept of um, teaching kids, like not just make it like a army training, just make it like right. you want them to have fun. But at the same time, you want them to be aware of like mostly with self-defense situations. Yeah, TJ, listen, you hit the nail right on the head there with that, because I mean, that's that's the big disconnect that a lot of people don't understand. Being a black belt and being a black belt instructor are as far apart as the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. They're two completely different worlds. They're two sides of the country. Just because someone is a black belt doesn't mean that they're a good teacher or trainer or educator. It just means that they're a good black belt. They did it for them. The art of communication and inspiring people to want to learn, let alone want to pay you, is an entirely different art form. And that's where a lot of people who make black belt get it confused because they think I'm a black belt and everyone's going to pay me to teach them now. But if you're not a good educator, if you're not a good uh, trainer, and you can't inspire them to get them to want to come back, to get them to want to do the work. Because listen, becoming a black belt's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. And you know, you've got it, you've got a head start. You're a fitness trainer. So you understand uniquely what it takes to inspire someone to want to work out and train. So good, good for you, man. And congratulations on your success. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know you said you hit the nail on the head about black belt tests not being easy. I mean, I've been through four black belt tests. I mean, my last black belt test, and you know, I felt like I was ready to die, but you know, I had that heart to actually keep going. Cause you know, if I, if I was to die in a self-defense situation, you know, I'm basically, it's going to be injury. I mean, even worse, I'll be in the hospital. I mean, that's what I'm teaching these kids. Like really, it's not just learning the techniques. It's learning how to use your anatomy and build your endurance and really, really try to, like build them up to be a black belt. Yeah. And that's it. It's got to, it's got to be fun without being funny. Right. Because, and you already know this being in the martial arts a long time is we're taking something that's thousands of years old, right? Fighting styles have been around for millennium and they were developed for one sole purpose to win wars, to kill other people, to fight other people. That's what the martial arts was invented for. So now we're supposed to teach that to a nine-year-old. So you can't, Right. There's a disconnect there. So it's got to be fun, entertaining because we're competing with everything else that's going on in that kid's life. But the one thing that is more important is what we do. Right. We're going to teach them a skill that could someday save their life, prevent them from being kidnapped or attacked or assaulted. Like that's priceless. That's way better than soccer or football or Little League. So it's important that you're able to communicate those benefits to the parents of those kids that are coming to train with you. Yeah, I mean, I have to worry about my niece. Uh, she's called, currently on term. She turned fifteen last month, so I got to worry about her being in like situations. Uh, and of course, she took karate um, like five years ago, and you know, I was fortunate enough to actually watch her te- uh, take class, and it was amazing how she pretty much took what I did with martial arts and kind of brought into like bringing it to her life. And I mean, I wish she would have stayed and at least got the black belt. But nevertheless, I mean, I see that she had that commitment to to martial arts. So, yeah, listen, a, a little bit, a little bit's better than nothing, but you know, that's your niece. You should really push her to get back into, it, especially at her age. Listen, and I talked about this on Jason's podcast a little bit. Uh, according to the FBI, one out of every three girls, one out of every three girls in the United States will be attacked or sexually assaulted in their life. It's a horrible, horrible statistic. So any parent that's hearing my voice that has a daughter, it is your responsibility as a parent to ensure that those odds tip in your daughter's favor, right? For guys, for me and you, our chance is one in a hundred. 
right? For girls, it's one in three. So every female should train in the martial arts. And really my opinion is if every human on the planet trained in the martial arts, like I don't care the style, whether it's UFAF, Chuck Norris, or whether it's Red Dragon Cry, it doesn't even matter. If every human on the planet trained in the martial arts for one year, it's my opinion that our world would be a much better place. But it's hypercritical for girls to be confident, to have the self-esteem, to have the awareness. Not that they're going to be like in the movies and, and be like Charlize Theron and just kill everybody and beat everybody up. But the self-confidence and the awareness sometimes is just enough to prevent someone who's thinking about attacking you to attack you. Right. And, and I say, listen, if you don't start them in martial arts, put them in something that makes their body posture good, gymnastics, cheerleading, modeling, all those things you have to be upright and look straight ahead and be confident. And the confidence is what keeps potential attackers away. Now, there's there's some attackers that could care less how confident you are. They're going to come after you anyway. That's where the skill that we teach comes in. And that's why it's so important, right? You can only be confident to a point. Somebody tries to grab you, you can't cheerlead your way out of that, right? You yeah. can't flip your way out of it unless you're making a movie. So in real life, you've got to learn how to defend yourself. And that's why I believe it's so important for women to train in the martial arts at, at every age. And the younger they can start, the better. But the other great thing about martial arts, you already know this, TJ, it doesn't matter what age you are. We're, this is one of the only sports and activities on the planet that you could start at any age. And it's really hard to say that about any other sport or activity. Yeah, I mean, well, for most girls, I mean, if they're in uh, like a class full of men, I mean, it's like difficult for that girl to even work with um a guy, especially if we go for ground techniques. I mean, the main thing about um self-defense is um, if you end up on the ground, I mean, the one thing you don't want to happen is somebody somebody get on top of you. So, I mean, that's the thing I do with my students is work on ground ground techniques. At least if they I can prevent them from getting put into like a garb or get in the guard position or even the mount position, then at least they can at least get up easily. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good, man. Good for you. Oh, awesome. All right. So let's kind of get to your um, role as Scorpion. I mean, I know you mentioned that um, you had to audition and then um, you was, how many people you had to audition against? Well, it was a series of three different auditions. The first time there was about a hundred guys in the room. Second time it got narrowed down to about half that. The third Third time I went, there was just three of us, me and two other guys. So it was quite a big group that got narrowed down. But the the story I tell is I didn't actually go into audition as Scorpion. I went to audition as being a, one of the background fighters in some of the other scenes because I hadn't ever been in a real big motion picture, a major studio film before. I'd done some smaller projects here and there, but I wanted to try and get in a major motion picture. So I wanted to be in the background because you get your kind of your feet wet, right? It's learning as you go. Uh, but it just ended up I was in the right place at the right time. I did the right things that caught the producer's eyes, uh, and they kept asking me to come back, and I ended up in, in the role of Scorpion. Man, that was like my favorite scene. I mean, that was like out of all the scenes that were in that movie, that you and Johnny Cage, that was like one scene that if if I actually watch it, I get up and actually try to do the moves like you two do. Like that was like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Uh, I have good news for you. It was my favorite scene as well. Yeah. I mean, the beginning, <laughs> the beginning scene where you're in the middle of the um, forest and um, you were mm -hmm. shooting your spear out of hand. Uh, it's like, that was like the famous, um, of course, uh, uh, Mortal Kombat game um, saying, get over here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was amazing. And, and no, it was great. And listen, it's, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to the fans of Mortal Kombat. They've really kept this whole franchise alive and they've been very supportive of me over the years and listen i'm on your show because i'm scorpion so i really appreciate it and uh and to keep doing good stuff
Yeah, I mean, of course, I mentioned I met um Daniel Persida. That was the other Scorpion, the video game version of Scorpion. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, it was amazing. I went to uh uh Retro Game Con. It was him and John Parrish. Um, they were doing like um autograph signing photographs, and um Daniel uh-huh. was dressing up in like different costumes. Like either he was Johnny Cage or Scorpion. But luckily, when mm-hmm. I took a picture with both of them, I got Scorpion. I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let me ask you the last something. We're going to go into like our segment called um, uh, the Hidden Dojo. So here's the last question. What inspirational um, quote best describes your journey? That's a good question. What inspirational quote best describes my journey? Hmm. I actually have no idea. I would say learn how to make adjustments instead of making excuses. Mm. Yeah, that goes with my um, knee brace. Yeah. <laughs> so for the next two weeks, I'll make an adjustments and then see where I'm at. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that's the nice um, make adjustments instead of excuses. So that's always good. Yeah. That's like a diversity as well as um, versatility. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So we're now we're into our segment we call the Hidden Dojo. So this is seven. This is where the fun part is. So I ask okay. you seven questions and you answer them in the best of your ability. All right, I'm ready. Here's the first question: the best advice you ever gotten, and who said it? Two two parts to that answer. Uh, number one, the best advice I was given in the movie business was to take acting lessons because someone who really wanted to see me succeed came up to me and they gave me a great analogy. They said, Chris. They can take a great actor and make him look like a martial artist, but they can't take a great martial artist and make him look like an actor. So if you want to be in this business, take acting lessons. And that advice served me very well. The other advice, of course, came from my dad, where he said, you can start something, but don't give up until you achieve the goal that you set when you started that thing. And that was a lot about dedication and perseverance. And I give him all the credit for my success for instilling that in me at a very early age. Ah, Mason. All right. The worst advice you ever gotten. That won't work in this area. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it's, like it's not that it doesn't work, it's that the person doing it isn't doing it right. Yeah. It's like yeah, you're like the place is it's not the place, it's the person that's um doing the uh like doing the thing. So they're doing it wrong. Yeah. So it's not the place, it's the person that's does does it wrong. So that yes, yeah, so that's good. Yeah. All right. Guilty pleasure. How do you reward yourself? Snowboarding. Ooh. <laughs> Snowboarding or binging Stranger Things. Binges. Oh, that's what I'm watching. I was watching that like a few minutes ago, Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. I think I wanted a break from Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, I'm going to skip this one because um, you already was in the famous movie, uh, Mortal Kombat. Usually the question would be, what famous movie would you want to be in? I mean, you were already in Mortal Kombat, so. Yeah. Iron Man. Oh, yeah, that's a good one right there. Iron Man. So that'd be a different Scorpion. Other than just shooting um, spirits, you'd be shooting like um, flares and uh, fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Secret talent. Secret talent. Well, if I told you, it would no longer be a secret. Mm-mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be that's fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, dream celebrity encounter. 
Dream uh Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, I'd be surprised if I actually got to meet her at a Comic-Con somewhere, but you know, that's highly unlikely, but you know, mm-hmm. you never know, you might run in her for like in a store somewhere. Uh, you never know. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. All right, final question. 10 years from now. 10 years from now. Yes, like like where would you see yourself? I know you got like a lot of um like studios in the, like California. Do you think about expanding like to different states? That I don't know of, but 10 years from now I uh, we will have 40 Red Dragon locations and I will be retired on the beach in the south of France. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, everything you pretty much got like a good staff uh, to take care of your school, so yeah. All right. right. So thank you very much for taking the time. I know it was small, but you know, it's better than nothing. So I actually got to speak with somebody famous. So it's very good. So thank you very much for joining me um, today, Chris. So hope everything goes well with you. And if you make it, you come out of retirement and become Scorpion again, then I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Well, listen, you, you and the fans and the people listening to the show can decide if that actually happens because uh, Warner Brothers and the studios actually listen to the fans. So the more you guys tell them that there should be a multiverse in Mortal Kombat, the more likely it is that I actually will be back in the Mortal Kombat franchise. They are just starting the script process for the next film, which got great green lit to go. So it's really up to the fans. So the more everyone contacts Warner Brothers and lets them know, bring back the OG Scorpion, then you will see me up on that silver screen very soon. Oh, yeah. I'm, I can't wait. All right, all right so- my man. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Congratulations to you and all your success. I appreciate it. And uh, you have yourself a very good one, my man. All right, so I'm just going to do my closing. Uh, all right, for those who just tuned in, uh, make sure you tune in to the, uh, my previous episode on the BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and I'll see you next time for another episode of the Kick Pod. This is your instructor, TJ Williams, bowing you out.